This week on Unsportsmanlike Conduct, we'll be breaking down the NFL and their recent problems with the whole thing with players coming out before the game. Some teams didn't even come out. Donald Trump obviously has some issues. We'll be talking about that. We'll then move into the NBA and the recent trades with Carmelo Anthony and now Dwayne Wade moving to different teams. We'll see how that affects and we'll talk about the super teams in the NBA. We'll then go into the Lions. They may have been robbed of a game on Sunday. It did get me a pick right. It did get my partners a pick wrong. But where do they actually stand as a team right now? That's the most important part. And then we'll talk about Michigan and Michigan State, what happened to them this weekend, and where they are going moving forward. All that and more coming up on Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Coach just so far from here, focused on my own way, with a never looking back to this world of dance. And welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. This is the weekly podcast on CM Life where we're going to talk about sports statewide and nationwide. My name is Andy McDonald. I'll be your host, and I'm joined by my co host as always. Elena Hess. Elena, how are we doing? I'm doing wonderful. A lot of good things happening in the sports world. <laughs> Can't really complain. <laughs> Evan, how are you doing? You're just all hyped about that, uh, that D-Wade oh, yeah, move, you know aren't it. you? Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, but on my end, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, ready to get started for uh, another week. For sure, for sure. And if uh, they could, if you guys could plug in your Twitter handles, see if they can find you in the Twitter universe. Elena, I'll start with you. Uh, Hess136. And Evan. I'm pretty simple. Uh, Evan Petzold. That's pretty much it. It's my I Twitter. Am, I am at Andy underscore McDonald23. Um, we're going to start off with this whole thing in the NFL going on right now. Obviously, I mean, this was already something that was started by Colin Kaepernick a year ago with, you know, not standing for the national anthem, not doing the proper things, maybe being on your knee or, you know, kind of shying away from what has been routine for so many years. Um, it's been recently brought up. And I think the, the craziest part of this whole weekend was when the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't even take the field for the national anthem. Um, Donald Trump made some comments. Um, before the games, uh, saying basically that the NFL players were a, uh, a bunch of sons of uh, explicit. <laughs> um, and it really, really wasn't the best way probably to go about it. Um, and the players are kind of making a stand. The coaches are making a stand. People aren't happy about it. Um, some Trump supporters probably actually are not watching games as much. I don't know. It's probably something that's tough for them to decide. Jerry Jones took a knee last night for the Cowboys. I, th- I think that was one of the biggest things. All, all the players took a knee for the National Anthem. Uh, that was on the craziest thing. The most recent tweet that I have brought up right now from Donald Trump was, quote, the NFL has all sorts of rules and regulations. The only way out for them is to set a rule that you can't kneel during our national anthem, and end quote. Overall, it's just a pretty crazy situation. Um, I don't I don't really think necessarily that Donald Trump's in the right. I think that this country, um, people should be able to choose what they want to do um, for the national anthem. There's a reason that you're here. Um, it's be, to be able to have that choice and to be able to have freedom. How do you guys feel about this whole situation going on right now? Evan, I'll start with you. Yeah, so Monday during class, uh, Journalism 102. Got to sit there the whole time. Uh, we didn't learn anything about journalism. We just talked about <laughs> this whole situation. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, um, yeah, I, I don't think Donald Trump is, is in the right. I also don't think a lot of people understand what's really going on in this situation. I think a lot of people think that the players are protesting the national anthem or, or something like that, but it's not really what it is. I mean, their players aren't protesting the national anthem. That's the same way as saying if you know you march in the streets, are you really protesting traffic? No, you're you're, you're not. No, no you're, you're protesting whatever you're protesting, but you're just kind of using the street as, as a gateway. They're using the national anthem as a gateway or like a vehicle to, to protest something that they want to protest, and that's inequality, police brutality, and, and racial injustice, uh, just to name a few of them. But I think a lot of people are just making this about the national anthem when, when really, like I said, it's just a vehicle. And that, that's my take on it. Um, I don't think, as far as, I'm, as far as I know, I don't know if you guys know, but I've never seen a player 
that's you know anti-military or, or I don't think I, I haven't heard anybody that's really been against the fundamentals that the United States is built on. But it, it just blows my mind that that some people I feel like personally don't really understand like what this is all about. They think that everyone's you know you know disrespecting the military, that kind of stuff. Um, now now the thing is, do I think they could maybe voice their opinions in maybe a less controversial way? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not sure because, I mean, that might take away from the effectiveness of what they're trying to get at. So, I mean, if, if they would wear shirts or something or, or I don't know, maybe find just a, a different way that was less controversial. I mean, like, yeah, they could do that, but I don't know if it'd be as effective. Think about how much noise this is making. Exactly. It already is. And, and if they were doing it in a different way, I just don't know if that effectiveness would still be there and people would really kind of be all over it like they are now. It's, it's going to be hard to go back, I think, period, just because of where it's at right now. Donald Trump's a pretty, uh, pretty stubborn guy as it is. He's not going to probably go back on his word. I don't think these NFL players want to go back on their word. Elena, how are you feeling about all this right now? Okay, I kind of agree with Evan, but, like, I don't think they should. Like, I don't think Donald Trump's in the right at all, but, like, I don't think that it makes them look very good when they're kneeling or not coming out for the flag because I do personally think it looks disrespectful to the military, and... I know that's not what they're, like, going against, but I think, like, maybe if they just linked arms, like some of them have, like, I think that would be, like, a little better. Or even, like, how, like, LeBron and Dwayne Wade and CP3 and uh, Melo went out in the ESPYs last year and they were talking. Like, if they get those big names to talk about it instead of, I don't know, like not coming, I don't know. I just don't think it's right to not come out for the national anthem at all. And, like, I don't know. I don't think they should make it about the flag and the national anthem. And I know that... You're saying they're not really doing that, but to me, I don't know. It just doesn't look good, but I don't think Donald Trump's in the right at all because we're trying to be united as a nation, and I think that's what the players are trying to get across, but Donald Trump seems to not not want to unite people. Sure, and, and, I, and I would agree with that as well um, for the most part. I, I think that he definitely isn't in the right right now. I, I don't think that he should be the one to be able to tell people what they can and can't do. It's what, that's the reason that people have a freedom in this country. I do think to a certain extent that, you know, maybe NFL players are taking it a little bit too far. I think that, you know, not coming out in the field before a game starts and stuff like that, like Pittsburgh did, it's kind of crazy. I mean, you really, you're just amplifying it more and making it worse. Someone has to be the bigger person here and kind of maybe take more of a step down, not not to, like, go against what they believe in. And I understand why people are upset and why you'd be frustrated um, as a, as the NFL when you're, you know, called out like they were by Donald Trump for, re- for reasons that they probably don't even know. Um, but... I, I think personally, you know, kneeling and stuff like that during the national anthem, I don't really think is, is necessary. I'm kind of with Elena on that. I think that, you know, if they if they want to be able to do that, I think that they can. Um, but it, at the end of the day, is it really necessary? Could you just, you know, maybe make something like putting your head down while you're still standing or, you know, having the linked arms? I think that was a really good comment. I think that that's something that would be more or less less distracting, I guess. Well, I really like what you say about someone needs to be the bigger, the bigger person here. I, I mm-hmm. like that. And... When it comes down to it, though, don't you expect your 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 highest national leader to be the one that that steps up? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what you expect? Yeah, exactly. That's what you expect, right? Right. And, yeah, and, you that, would and, think and, so. that's, and, that, and that's my problem. thing. That's the problem. I mean, we're, it, it's got to be both ways. But I mean, sometimes someone has to take that leadership and and step up as being the bigger person. And we're not seeing uh, President Trump do that. And that's that's kind of where the issue is. I almost feel like because I mean, you look <laughs> you look you look back where when Kaepernick did it. Uh, most people don't even know he did it for the first two preseason games, but nobody even noticed him until the uh, until the third game because that's 100%. when he was finally suited up and ready to go because he, he wasn't injured. But mm-hmm. but then you know you know you think about that. Okay, nobody really noticed it. Blah blah. blah. But I mean, it really did start to kind of die down. It, yeah, it did. It did. And then, no, you didn't hear it nearly as much about this offseason. Exactly. At all. And then 
Season starts Special back somebody kind of <laughs> tweeted a lot and got people riled up again, and and there you go. Now I now tons of people are doing it, and uh-huh. and, and that's my thing. I I just think someone has to step up, and it and it should be President Trump, but I guess yeah. if he's not going to do I don't it, think then it will be. no, it, it, it I, won't I, be. exactly, guy, it won't be. I'm not going to hide it and like try to hide it from people. You know, you can think what you want. This guy runs his Twitter like a 15 year old girl that's speaking <laughs> about her boyfriend. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that is seriously how he runs his Twitter, and it's ridiculous the way that he he sends these tweets. Constantly in the fake news ones and whatever it is, it's about the exclamation points. All it's just ridiculous. Like it's not how someone that runs your country that you would envision them tweeting and, and like making these kind of tweets and the way that he keeps doing it and keeps going on about it. You're not seeing that much from the NFL players themselves on Twitter. I mean, some to a degree, but it's more or less just from him. He keeps bringing it up. It's like he feels like he has to prove his point more than he already has. And, and I don't know why you're doing that because you're just pouring more gasoline onto a fire that probably just needs to be put out at this point. I think what you said is great. He is the person that's supposed to be a leader. He's supposed to lead our country. But unfortunately, you know, I, I, th- I think our country decided to elect essentially what was a celebrity, and maybe yeah. this is something that you're going to kind of get out of it. I mean, the guy the guy has a lot of money, and I'm not saying that he's a bad businessman, but as a, as a president, this is probably something that you shouldn't be doing right now. You should be trying to put an end to this and trying to bring us together. I think unity was something that you very good to be brought up. Our country right now is not in the best place with that, um, with racism and whatever else you want to talk about. This is obviously a different issue, but it's the same kind of thing. He needs to step up and be a guy that, you know, makes a change. You can't expect NFL players to just, you know, go against their word at this point. They're going to do what they're going to do, I think. Mm-hmm. Elena? Yeah, for sure. I agree with you, but something somebody needs to step up, and I think that if it's not going to be the president, I think it should be these big name guys in the NFL, the NBA, the MLB. Like these guys need to step up and. It's kind of almost something. sad that they have to be the ones and to do yeah, it, though, right? Like, I mean, right. They seem <laughs> it's to sad. be like they seem to have the most like influence on people right now. So uh-huh. people don't agree with each other. You're going to agree to disagree. These guys, I mean, these people, obviously, like Trump and the NFL players, they don't agree with each other. So at some point, you just have to you know put it out and agree to disagree. But I think I agree with what you're saying, Evan. Trump needs to be the one to do that, not the NFL players. You know, they're not yeah. they're not the leader of this country. They're not the face right? of the country. So why are they the people that are asked to be be doing that? I, I guess I guess what I want to ask you guys, you know, to kind of end this conversation, what is too much? Like, what would be too much for you? I guess as if the NFL players were to go to some other extent right now, should they be just stopping and just kind of like leaning away from it more, or just you know sticking to what they have been doing? Or do you think if they did something else, it would kind of just finally get in Trump's head to make him like make a statement and try to stop it? I mean, I, I think it it'd get bad if they were practicing during the national anthem, or if they were, you know, not even. I mean, who knows what they're doing in the locker rooms? You know, mm-hmm. the teams that stayed in. But I mean, at the same time, sort of people in the field, even if they're taking knees, they're still taking knees and they're they're still there. You know. Yeah. I mean, if they were all warming up on the field, if Odell Beckham Jr. was doing backflips or, <laughs> or or whatever, I mean, I guess that that might be a little too far. Um, it's it's such a touchy subject and it's so it's so hard to really get into and and really grasp because it it is just all over the place it's something that we've like never really seen before um as as far as sports go like, yeah there's always been controversy in sports and mm-hmm. and always been it political controversy but <laughs> yeah but i mean this is the first time that i think at least that i can remember that it it's really merged and it's like really merged big time uh, uh both politics and sports together and we've really seen it on the field that's like the first time i think that it's been you know, this big at least, but it's definitely touchy. Uh, yeah, it, it's a tough subject. It's a tough subject. Uh, we all have our different opinions, of course, but like, <laughs> I mean, who's to say what's like right and what's wrong? But I mean, I think that I don't. I don't think the knee, kneeling is right, but I don't think like I don't think Donald Trump's right either. But 
I don't know. Who's to say, really? Yeah. I just, I mean, linking arms to me would be like great, like showing you unity and stuff. It's almost a lose lose because no one's going to be happy. Yeah, nobody's going to be happy. No no one's really going to be fully happy. (laughs) You can't can't win. You can't win until someone, I don't even know. And people just really, people just have to take responsibility for themselves and just like. Both parties. Yeah. Both parties. Yeah. It's just like, you know, when you're in fourth grade and someone's got to be the bigger man in the mm-hmm. fight in the yeah. playground. That's it's like, just, that's what it is right now, honestly. And it's just a bigger, a bigger setting. Like someone just needs to step up and say something that's going to change the minds of either the players or Donald Trump just needs to do it himself. I don't see Trump saying something like that. Oh, no. I, I don't think he's going to go back on his word at this point. It is what it is. He's going to kind of stay where he is. Um, I think that these players just need to try their best to cope with it and just, you know, do what they're supposed to do, which is focus on the product in the field, but still at the same time respect the country that they're in right now because there's no reason that you, you know, should be disrespecting America. I don't think at all that these players, that's not their intention and don't don't think that I'm trying to say that. But what I am trying to say is, is like just trying to be bigger people and trying to be the better person. Try to just understand and move on past it and go on with their jobs. I think that's yeah. I think that's the best way to go about For it. Sure. And hopefully mm-hmm. it just dies down. It isn't something that keeps – because it's, it's just going to keep happening if Trump could at least stop tweeting about it and making, you know, these big statements about it, then people will probably just move on. And, you know, by week five or six, you probably won't be seeing as much stuff in the news. About I hope not. I hope Twitter. not. <laughs> you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't watch TV without seeing a headline on the bottom or, or, or a headline on the top with saying something about, you know, players kneeling or, or linking arms. Like, I, I hope it just ends because, I mean, I, I kind of want to just be able to watch TV again yeah. and watch sports again. And, like, and people are, like, protesting the NFL. Like, I'm not going to watch this if they're doing this. Like, it's like. Yeah, I, I hate to tell Donald Trump this, as he said, like, you know, in another tweet, he was talking about how the ratings are down before the game because no one wants to see it. it the, the thing against that is the ratings are not going to drop in the NFL no matter what he does. People mm-hmm. are going to watch yeah. football. So, you know, yeah. I, at the end of the day, it's, it's still going to be watched. Um, but we can definitely put an end to the discussion. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that we've got our point across, and I think that um, overall it's just someone needs to step up and make a point here. What we will move on to is uh, the NBA now, um, oh, something we yeah. haven't really talked about yet in this podcast. I know Elena <laughs> is ecstatic today because while we were recording this just recently, Dwayne Wade is going to the Cavaliers. He has been moved over there to play with Cleveland. LeBron again. It's it's another super team forming. Um, more uh, or Back last week, Carmelo Anthony was traded to the Thunder to form a somewhat of a super team there with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and now Carmelo Anthony. I guess what I'm trying to get at right now is what – what do you guys think about these moves? Do you think it's good for both teams? And how, how many more super teams can we possibly take in the NBA before it's six or seven teams? And th- and that's about it. Elaine, I'll start with you. Well, I think last year it was like everybody knew it was going to be Cleveland and Golden State in the finals because they were really the only super teams. But this year I think it actually it's going to be a lot better. Like if we're going to have super teams, we might as well have a lot more than two. And I think it's going to be a lot more interesting. And my boys are back together. <laughs> So that's what I've been waiting for. But I think it's going to be a fun year for sure. No, I, I agree with that 100%. For me, I was personally getting bored. Um, I mean, like, you had to pretty much wait until the NBA Finals before there was anything that you actually wanted to start watching. And, like, and, and those series were great. Last year obviously wasn't as good as, you know, two years ago. That was probably one of the best yeah. series I've ever watched in sports. That for whole sure, year yeah. had series like that in every sport. Um, but nevertheless, I think more of these trades do make it more exciting. I think the Houston Rockets are another team that you could bring up that are technically like a super team now. Um, they, they have James Harden over there now and Chris Paul just getting more big players in the same team it at least competes with these top two teams I don't necessarily think that either one of them is going to be able to take no. on Golden State <laughs> Cleveland is iffy they, they're a team that can maybe be beat by somebody else but the problem is they're still the only team over on their side of the division in the East that really is going to like you know be able to yeah you know, I think that I mean the Celtics might give them like 
a push, a yeah, maybe they with might, Kyrie, but they might, I mean, but like Kyrie's <laughs> not going to be the same. I don't think Kyrie. LeBron, LeBron was still always the, the player oh, yeah. there. <laughs> so, as long uh, as LeBron's there, I think. LeBron, yeah. As long as LeBron's uh, in the East, they're going to the going finals. to the finals. Oh, going yeah. to the finals every year. I, I, I'm just kind of amazed uh, at this depth chart for uh, for Cleveland. It, it's going to be real good. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson coming off the bench. J.R. Smith, Derrick Rose, Jay Crowder, Kyle Corver. <laughs> Iman Shumpert, that's filthy. That's I mean, just filthy starting off good. with J.R. Smith coming off the bench yeah. right? is enough to right? me. That's, that's, that was and the then, guy that was supposed I to mean, be big enough for them to be able to beat the Warriors in right? <laughs> And Derrick Rose is nowhere near where he was when he won his MVP, but I mean, still that, it's, it's still right Derrick Rose. Yeah. It's still Derrick Rose coming off the bench. Like who, I mean, who knows what he might give you? You, exactly. don't, you don't know. If the guy's ankle can you know stay straight and he can play, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, he might be someone that could really step in and make a difference for that team. Like I, I'm really interested to see how – how they all play out. I mean, I really think Wade and and LeBron being back together, like their chemistry is unreal. And I, I think, I think with like I think with LeBron and Kyrie, I think the problem was they just didn't really have a ton of chemistry. I just don't think their chemistry was too hot. But I think it was moody for both players. It yeah. was. It I, was. I think the first year when they had a feeling that they could actually win it and they won it, it brought them together really close. But mm-hmm. last year when things kind of started to fall apart and they didn't finish first place in their division, and then they ended up you know basically getting swept. I mean, but, they won one game. But if Kyrie. Say he switches spots with with, with D Wade and D Wade's where Kyrie was last year. I think LeBron and D Wade are it, still oh, they're, tight. They're boys. I think they're I, boys. That's true. And that's why I'm excited to see how how, how LeBron James and Dwayne Wade really kind of help out. You know Isaiah Thomas. Maybe they maybe they bring Kevin Love kind of back from back to like you know how he was when the he was with the Timberwolves. Be, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And then and then Tristan Thompson. Like that. I mean, if you have two guys that are so you know tightly knit and they're and they're so mm-hmm. they're bonded so well. I mean, it really changes the whole complexion of the team. I think this could be really good for them. I, yeah, I'm really I interested. I definitely think that Dwayne Wade and LeBron will be better than Kyrie and LeBron were, just because of all like the the past times they played together. I think they looked so good and their chemistry is so good because like they're they're friends. And I don't know if, how good of friends Kyrie and LeBron really were. Now, now, do you, now, now, hang on. Now, do you think? Now, do you think that without? Okay, take Isaiah Thomas off this team, right? Let's mm-hmm. just set him aside. Yeah. So you you one for one replace Irving and Wade last year. How do you think it it translates? Do you think it's different? You think they're better? I wouldn't say better just because of I don't want to say Dwayne Wade's old because he's not old to me. He's still got him. <laughs> but I just I mean Kyrie's obviously younger and he okay. But gosh, they're gonna be deadly now. I mean, I know you don't need to say what if. I yeah. hate to say what if now. Not everybody's Tom Brady. People do age. I think that Dwayne Wade is getting <laughs> oh, older. Oh, I mean, yeah, he is. He is. He's, old. He's definitely <laughs> lost a step compared to in his prime. Where he was back when definitely. they used to be together. In the but heat. like last year, he had good numbers. Last year, no, I he mean did. He, he didn't like put up like he didn't play as many minutes. But I mean, he's still putting up good numbers. He's a valuable player, and I think what you said about depth is a great point because that's what they have a lot of now. And they have like uh, that veteran status now. I think like, that mm-hmm. the biggest difference for me is, and chemistry is the biggest thing to bring up here because with those two still liking each other as much as they do, I think that they're going to understand their roles more. Some of these older mm-hmm. guys in this team. You got LeBron James. If you give the guy a ball enough, especially in the playoffs, I mean, I'm, regular season obviously has his struggles. He still had his struggles last year in the playoffs as well for like kind of the first time really that I saw him ever struggle like that. Um, either way, if these guys can play their role, I think Kyrie and LeBron when they were on the floor a lot last year in those finals, one of them felt like they had to step up and be the bigger guy all the time instead of playing together. And that was something that kind of brought them down when they played in those finals. I don't see that happening as much with a team like this. No. Now, obviously, Golden State is still a team – I, their depth is still really good, and they have four players in that team that you know could probably outlast what Cleveland has for their four top players. I would say. I mean, LeBron James is almost like two players in himself. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's still it's still a lot to handle because 
over the games of today, the way those guys can shoot the three-point ball, it can, it, you can, if you can shoot a three-pointer, it can keep you up in any game. You can come back at any time. They could be down by, you know, 15 points with only a few minutes left, and they still can come back if they get hot. Mm-hmm. So that and that's the that's the fact that matter to me is that they're still going to have a lot of competition. Nevertheless, though, I think with the depth and bringing Isaiah Thomas, I think I think having him on this team does make them a better team. Um, personally, I, I think that they have enough now to where it'll definitely be a better series if it does get to that. In the well, well, yeah, with Isaiah Thomas, the thing that I like about him, um, whereas maybe I didn't like so much about Kyrie Irving, uh, as you alluded to earlier, is is Kyrie wanted the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. He, he wanted it, but that was kind of LeBron's LeBron's ball. That's kind yeah, of exactly. his spot. It's tough. But I, I think Isaiah Thomas, he realized that that last year with Boston, he had to do it. He had mm-hmm. to take that role on. But I think, I think he's okay with, with picking Isaiah, up assists. I think he's cool yeah. with that. I think Isaiah Thomas will... Like the role better than Kyrie did for sure. I think no I think, doubt. I think Isaiah Thomas just wants to win. I think. Oh yeah, he, I for think sure. He's determined now because I think yeah. he he feels probably like he really got screwed by Boston. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think he. I mean, not that getting sent to LeBron James is a bad thing, but I essentially think that he thought he was going to be the guy in Boston for a long time, like mm-hmm. kind of that star athlete. I think you know whatever decided to. So I, I really didn't see it coming to be honest. Like at first when it didn't no, happen. No, so, I, I was so happy. Yeah, I was it, happy with it. It's a surprise and it's a different trade. Um, and, and I cause if you go back a couple years ago, you know, going back on uh, Kyrie and LeBron, those who were playing together in that game seven, the way that they were both able to make shots and be able to win that game was completely different than the way it was a year ago. So obviously something went wrong there. I think what you said, um, is right. I guess what I want to ask you guys next though, going back on the NBA as a whole, the teams like OKC or Houston. Or whoever you may think, um, do they have any chance to compete with either one of these two teams this year? Or are we still far away from that? There's always luck, I guess. Um, <laughs> no, no, but eh, it's kind of it's kind of tough to say uh, right now. We'll see when the when the season starts and everyone's gonna kind of roll the dice and we're gonna start to figure out where teams are at. Um, I, I think with Oklahoma City, you know, having Carmelo Anthony on your team now, that's it's a risky move. He's a good player, but he's an all about himself kind of player. Um, as far as um, as far as Houston goes, James Harden, same same kind of kind of kind of guy, <laughs> um, you know. So we'll see how how Chris Paul deals with that, but we'll see. It'll, it'll take some time, but I think I think once the season starts rolling around and we get a few weeks in, we'll really start to figure out which teams are going to be able to compete and which teams uh, really aren't going to be able to. And I wouldn't be surprised if if we look at it and say Cavs and Warriors and just kind of rock with that the rest of the season. But mm-hmm. like I said, we'll see. Um, I kind of agree with you. I think that like these new teams, like these newly built teams, are gonna have to take a while to like see how they play together. I think that Melo is gonna be—he's not gonna really know his role at first because he's all about himself. He's always been the guy, but it'll be interesting for sure. I think it'll be fun, but I, I do think they're gonna be able to give Golden State a run for their money. I mean, I know Golden State's super good and they have the chemistry already, but. I think Russ is out to get him. By the time the playoffs are, I mean, these teams are obviously going to make the playoffs oh, regardless. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. might be slow at first, but so many teams make the playoffs, the NBA as it is, they will be mm-hmm. there. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, and, and it kind of makes me question why. I mean, I understand you as a franchise you have to try to compete, but, man, you're you're putting a lot on the line to compete with these two top teams like this. Like, it's really hard. I think you got to have a plan to keep these players for a while because if you don't, I don't think they're going to get much done. Um, right now, Golden State, I think, is just still too powerful. Um, I, I would like, I personally, I'm a LeBron fan over anything else. I would like to see him be able to get something, but I think Golden State is just still too good. I, I don't think OKC is enough. And the depth that you talked about, that's the difference. Like, these guys have some star players now, but what do they have behind it? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, they're giving up some players to be able to get these guys to come in. OKC, I mean, surely they gave up essentially a lot of bunch players to be able to get Carmelo, but that's still good players that they had in their bench that, you know, could come in and give them minutes. Now what? What are they even replacing it with? You know that that's the kind of stuff that surprises me. I, I don't think the combination 
um, over in uh, Houston is enough to be able to push anybody aside. If anybody, I think maybe it would be Russ just because they obviously have their issues and maybe they could get fired up enough to co- compete and make it a closer series. Yeah, um, I still don't think they'll come out on top. Exactly. Like it's, it's just too much. Like the, And it's too much to believe right now, I mean, with where Golden State is and how good they really can be um, in a matter of, you know, seconds that, you know, you wouldn't think about. But overall, right now, in my opinion, I still think that the Golden State and Cleveland will be the finals we're watching for at least two more seasons. Yeah. I think that they're still too good. And t- Well, that depends if LeBron James leaves or not, because obviously he may not mm-hmm. be there after this season. That we'll, we'll we'll figure that out eventually. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk. Uh, <laughs> a lot of talk. Everybody's always going to LA, right? What about, yeah, what about, exactly. what about, what about D Wade though? What about D Wade though? Oh, D Wade's going back to the Heat. You think so? He, yeah. You think so? Oh, I think so. Yeah. So I think th- he's going to need to retire. She has this whole plan set out in plan, her mind, like... and it's so funny <laughs> just to just to pick her brain because you totally know where she's going with it next. Yeah, I wanted I wanted my boys to get back together one year, win it, him go back to the Heat. Play like two more, two three more years there. Retire. You don't think he would retire if he got a championship this year? You no. don't think that you don't think the Dwayne would? Be no, done? I think he needs to retire in a Heat uniform. It's only right. Okay. Okay. I can, I can respect <laughs> that, and he, and he may feel that way as well. I really don't know, but um, as as far as NBA goes, uh, I I think it'll be an interesting season. It'll be a better season. Um, we're gonna we're gonna move into our next topic now, which is obviously the sport which is going on right now and is more involved football. And Sunday, if you lived in this state, I think a lot of people were depressed after that game. Um, the Detroit Lions, I said that this would be the absolute game. I know I said New York a couple weeks ago, but I, New York hasn't looked very good. They're on three now. Um, if if there really was a game that was going to be their like you know barometer to be able to tell how good they are, this was the game um, playing against Atlanta, a team that was a runner up in the Super Bowl a year ago. Um, they they were so close to getting the job done. Obviously, <laughs> you can break down this whole game and talk about everything that led up to it. But really, it came out of that last play. Golden Tate was marked down for the uh, the goal line, which on the replay to me, it did look like he was down. Mm-hmm. The biggest issue was the 10-second runoff and how bad of a rule that might be. Um, it's it's really bad because I can remember last year specifically. I can't remember the team the Lions were playing against, but they had to run their field goal unit out in the field, and there was only seven seconds left in that game. They were able to get the field goal unit out, kick a field goal, win the game. So when you think about that, I mean, in, in a difference, all the Lions would have had to do is line up and run another play. Like, they can do that in eight seconds. So... It, the 10 second rule just kind of seems dumb. Um, just going through the game itself, Matt Stafford played pretty good. He went 25 for 45, uh, 264 yards. He had a touchdown. Matt Ryan was the one that was like really surprising. The guys that had a two touchdown game, I believe it was since November 15th of last year, or not two touchdown, two interception. Um, he ended up throwing three picks in the game. A couple were off deflected passes, probably not his fault. Nevertheless, he wasn't as sharp as he was the Lions defense. Even though they gave a lot of points, were making a lot of moves to be able to get their team the ball back and give them a chance. Um, the Lions played them all game. They had it set up to be able to come back in the fourth quarter, and obviously that play um, ended uh, not in their favor. They uh, Golden Tate sat there on the sideline. I think his face really said it all with how upset he was with not being able to get another chance. Um, what do you guys think about the game in itself first off um, with the rule and then just how the Lions played? Well, well, for me with the rule, um, I was doing some research and stuff like that, and uh, I saw former NFL officiating chief Dean Blandino said, uh, quote, to recap in Detroit, ruling on the field was a touchdown, which stops the clock. After review, Tate was short, which would have kept the clock running. This carries a 10-second runoff. Had the, call on the, had the call on the field been correct initially, the clock would have run out. That's the spirit of the rule, mm-hmm. end quote. And that, that, really, that really messes with me because... Of course, well, of course, Lions didn't have a timeout to stop it either. They didn't so have to stop it, thing. but I mean, you think there's any chance that they would have been able to... To get one more playoff. 100%. If they call it down the field, are you kidding me? They're lining it up real quick. What did Matt ever do against the Browns like a couple years ago? And his di- he had when he went dislocated the, 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 shoulder. Was it the fake spike one? Yeah, the fake yeah. spike. That was even last yeah. time, I'm pretty sure. Well, well, and, well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying right, right here. I mean, he literally says, 
had the call on the field been correct initially, the clock would have run out. That's not that, true. Exactly, I, I and that, that's, that's where I'm saying I, I, th- I think this is a dumb rule. Yeah. I think that's I think that's stupid. It's not it's not I right. I think that you should. I mean, it, it's obviously it's different because like. It's hard to say because, like, they would be able to just line up under center and then blow the whistle and run it, and that's probably mm-hmm. how it, after it was reviewed. So, essentially, the Lions would get more time than they probably – but it was a fourth down play. That's what really bugs me about the whole thing. So, if they throw an incompletion, game's over anyways. Like, you know, they're not going to – or whatever they elected to do. If they don't get the down, it's not going to happen anyways. Um, it The 10-second the runoff, though, just – it doesn't – it doesn't really make sense to me. I, guess I don't get it. In, in that situation. I can't, I can't think of why you would make that a rule in the first place just because – all, all they have to do if that is a normal call is just get up, and obviously Stafford's going to hustle him up the line. He's going to try to get a playoff. It doesn't really matter what the play is. It might even be like a backyard like NFL. like They're just running whatever they can to get something off right. at that point because obviously it would be pretty frantic. But I'm sure in practice, at an NFL practice, they have plenty of plays that they have in their heads if that kind of situation comes up that they would just know to do. Like That would probably be what... Oh, for sure. Know, oh, that, for sure. That, they have to. They have that's to. what I'm saying. Like, so Obviously, they'd be able to get another playoff. Elena, what, what's I your I agree. I think this? it's a dumb rule, and obviously we're butthurt about it because we lost, but like, yeah, it's dumb. Like, It took away the game. I mean, it took away the game for them, and they played a great game, and I mean, they showed they could play with anybody, and it just sucks for us. I mean, yeah, and they had the win right there for them. It really does suck. It's not It's not fair to the Lions um, as, a, as a team because this is just, it's I mean, two and one isn't the biggest difference this early in the season. Like they obviously still have enough time to rebound and win division games and whatever else. But if you can say you're three and zero and you beat the Falcons, I mean, man, you're really looking like a team that's like really far up in like the power rankings probably right now and stuff. Like obviously, you know, ESPN probably still wouldn't give enough credit. They had them below yeah. the Giants after their after their uh, win against them. But still, um, nevertheless, it really sucks as a win. Um, what do you guys think? Or is your take? Are the Lions a for real team? Is this a team that can now compete? Um, Moving forward, are they a team that actually can win this division? This is a real team. This is a real team. Like you said, uh, people would have taken a lot of notes if we had beaten the Falcons. I, I, and in my eyes, they did beat the Falcons. Yeah. Uh, they kind of got. I mean, they got they got screwed over. They did um, by a rule that was in place. And yeah, rules are rules, and and, and and a loss is a loss. But I mean, I think all in all, they outplayed the Falcons. They outplayed the Giants, and they outplayed the Cardinals. They're a good team. They 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 are like a three and O team. They're a two and one team that's like a three and three and O team to me. Yeah, I think they're the real deal, one hundred percent all the way. Uh, this game against the Vikings is gonna be is gonna be pretty good coming up. Um, I don't know. I'm really excited for <laughs> for this upcoming game though, because I feel like this is kind of where the Lions are gonna be able to to make their statement and say, you know, yeah, it didn't really work out last game, but this is our statement that yeah, NFL, we are for real. Like yes, we are for real fans. Uh, players, opposing coaches, just the league in general. Like we are a for real team, and, and I'm really excited to to see this upcoming game. Sure. Yeah, for sure, I agree with you. I think uh, Detroit can finally say we're for real because I mean, it's been a while. Um, yeah, they showed that they can play with uh, the best the NFC has to offer, and I mean, it goes in the books as a loss, but in our hearts, it's a win. <laughs> so, I think, like, I think just looking back at it, you know, I mean, last year they, they were a team that people thought were for real through like the start of the season because of the way they started and they blew it. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen this year. I can't like predict that far. It's still only week four. But what I will say is that the Lions definitely like have proved me wrong so far. They were a team that I thought, you know, coming into a game like this, honestly, usually when they play at home, even against big teams, they still do make it pretty close. But I didn't think that they'd be able to keep up with this team, especially if you would have told me that Atlanta scored 30 points and they were still going to be able to keep up with them. I didn't think so. Um, not that Atlanta's defense is any like super powerhouse. They're probably a pretty middling defense in the NFL. But at the end of the day, 
Um, they were able to keep up. They were able to make enough turnovers and make enough plays. And the, the defense allowed too many points. They got to make a lot of corrections, especially that play to Taylor Gabriel where he scored a touchdown. That was just a really bad breakdown on a, on a pass that was basically a screen pass that went for 40 yards for a touchdown. That's the kind of play you can't allow late in the game. They have a lot of improvements to make, but I think that this game against Minnesota is like just so crucial for how people are going to feel um, moving forward because Minnesota is a team that right now is pretty good. They have a great defense. Um, whether Sam Bradford will be back or not, I'm not sure. Case Keenum did play pretty good last week, though, so not like the Lions will be getting the absolute scrub at quarterback that they're playing against. This is a game that they really need to come out and win just for a confidence standpoint and for, I think... Um, to prove people. The, yeah, to prove to people that they actually are. Uh, they're not, they're not going to let this get them down, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They're, they're a team that can move past it because, yeah, you got to... I mean, you can sulk on it for a second and right after the game and everything, but you got to move on, man. You're an NFL team. It's a tough loss, but nevertheless, it was a rule. I've seen this rule in play before, just not in situations where it matters as much. It's usually at like the end of the game on a Hail Mary or something when you know they're trying to get a, like, a playoff and, and there's something like this. They, I've seen a 10-second runoff before. This is just the first time that I've ever heard of it in a situation where it was like right in the goal line the Lions could have you know, won. So it just kind of sucks that it had to happen to them that way. It sucks the Lions always have to have a rule come up with them for like the first time. <laughs> this one was a rule. It's just kind of a dumb rule. Um, I guess what are your guys' predictions this week for the, the Vikings game? I think it's going to be a, a pretty good game. I think the Lions are going to take them. Uh, they're going to take the Vikings and, and beat them. I got 27-13, a little, a little bold, a little extra bold, but okay. um, I'm going to rock with it. I think I think if Sam uh, Sam Bradford's back, it might be a little bit more difficult to to hang with the, the, the Vikings because their offense is going to be a little bit more hyped up than with Case Keenum uh, under center. But like you said, you know Keenum really hasn't been too bad. Um, this year, as far as far as filling in goes, uh, got to look for Delvin Cook uh, for Minnesota. He's going to try to shine, but I think the Lions take it. Sure, I think the Lions are going to take it too. I think it's going to be like twenty-one seventeen. Sure, I could I could see that. Um, I think it's a really tough game because they're playing on the road. Um, and obviously that place is very very tough to play in. So like I said, this is just going to say a lot. Um, about how the Lions are. I'm going to go with them winning this game, too. I'm going to go with them winning 2017, so I'm pretty close yet, and I honestly think this one comes on Matt Frazier's leg in a game winner. I think it's that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I think the Lions are tied to the end of this game, but Stafford gets the ball under two minutes again because the offense really doesn't show me as much as I expect them to show this year. I think they've struggled a lot of times, and it's taken them until the fourth quarter to actually start getting rolling where it's like a pressure. For some reason, it seems like defense is always for the bend-don't-break at the end of the game, and it you know it kind of allows the offense. Stafford's just a, a, a master of picking that apart. I think that happens in this game. I think Prater kicks a field goal to win. I think they win 20-17. That's my prediction on that. Now we'll stick with football, but we'll move into the college landscape. Um, obviously, um, we'll start with Michigan here. Um, 28-10 winners over Purdue. Um, once again, the score, I, I guess it was indicative of how it went like towards the end of the game, but the way this game started, it was disaster mode for Michigan. It was the offense that everyone wanted to see um, in Maize and Blue come out and play good. Still wasn't given what they needed to. The 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 defense was still holding their own. And then Wilton Spake gets hurt on a questionable hit. That's all I'll say about that. Um, a- After he was already down, he gets hurt. He comes out of the game. And, you know, most Michigan fans are probably thinking, especially myself, oh, great, here he comes <laughs> again, number eight. Like, what, what are we going to get out of this guy? What is Michigan's offense even going to be able to do at this point? Um, They weren't running the ball very well at that point in the game. And all of a sudden they got to rely on this guy to pass. Um, and obviously because of the way produced facilities were set up, John O'Corn was going to be in there for a while, regardless if State was able to come back or not. So he ends up coming in, and he gets a touchdown drive, like right off the bat. Gets him down the field, scores a touchdown. I believe that he threw that to Zach Gentry, but I could be wrong. Yeah, he did throw it to Zach Gentry. That was the first touchdown pass. So Michigan's went 7 nothing. All of a sudden you're feeling really good. You're like, wow, this guy came out, and he, he went 5-for-5 five five in the first drive. Michigan played great. 
Purdue comes right back, and they just don't take long to score. They come right back the next drive. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Sindelar, he, he ended up throwing a touchdown pass to Hopkins, was able to tie the game back up at 7. Um, things were kind of like stagnant there for a while until Purdue was able to take a field goal and take the 10-7 to lead going to the locker room. And then they come out in the second half. It's still kind of stagnant play all the way through the third quarter. And then John O'Corn just kind of makes his mark as, you know, being the hero of this game. Not that Michigan's defense. They made plenty of plays. They were doing what they do every single game. That Michigan fans just kind of take, end up taking for granted at this point because they've just been so good. He led three straight touchdown drives going into the third and fourth quarter. And I think that that says more about his performance than anything else. When, you, when you're able to do that, that's something that Michigan has not been able to do at offense at all this season. It's been, they've been able to put teams away, but it's been on the leg of Quinn Nordeen. Quinn Nordeen didn't kick a field goal in this game. That's insane to me, for one. <laughs> they didn't have to do one. They scored in the red zone. They were perfect in the red zone, three for three on their opportunities. He goes on the field and leads them down for touchdowns. A lot of them were rushing touchdowns. Um, he did throw the one uh, touchdown pass. I forget who it was. Or no, actually, they were all rushing. It was Chris Evans for the 10-yard run. But he was the one that was getting him down the field. Multiple big passes for over 20 yards. He was finding Perry, uh, Gentry uh, again. He found uh, Nick Eubanks obviously had a big penalty on him moving down the first drive. Nevertheless, three touchdown drives led him down the field. Michigan's rushing tackle was able to take over and be able to kind of win that game for him. They end up pulling away winning 28-10. What do you guys think right now? What, what are your reactions on this game? Elaine, I'll start with you. Well, obviously we were all scared in the first half, but I think O'Corn really redeemed himself here and kind of let himself off the hook, but I don't know. It's interesting because will he come back? Like, will he start the next game or, or not? Or is Fate going to come back in? So, but Michigan pulled it out again. Always like to make it close in the first half, but it's a bye week, so I think that'll be the question yeah. going forward for mm-hmm. a while. But Evan, yeah, and, and Andy, I just want to know, like, how close are you with with Harbaugh and Drevno? Because last week you wouldn't shut up about tight ends. Tight ends need to be active. Tight ends need to be active. And maybe they listen. Maybe I, they tune in. I, I don't know. I mean, man, honestly, I, though, but I just gotta have the guys. But for real, though, Sean McKeon, five receptions, eighty-two <laughs> yards. Zach Gentry, three receptions, forty-eight yards, and a score. Do you know you got an in or something? No, because but, I mean, you 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 literally. <laughs> or, or, or I you just know everything about football. I wouldn't you, say you that, that I, on the head. I wouldn't say that I'm an in, but this is just something Michigan needed to do. They needed to go back to what worked for them basics. And no matter who it is that's going, on, I mean, even Ian Bunting finally saw him out there in the field mm-hmm. doing things. They Sean McCune. They used everybody, and that's what they need to do. They have so much talent at that position. Even though it's young and raw, it's still a position that could get them a, a lot of plays and a lot more yards, and I think they finally realized that. You lose a person like Tariq Black, you got to go back to and, that. And what did we say? We said, you know, hitting the tight ends is going to open up everything else. Yep. Chris Evans, 14 carries, He's, 97 yards, two touchdowns. He had a 49-yard touchdown run that put the game away. Chris Evans finally was the running right, back that people thought right. he would be coming in this season. And But wasn't he that running back with, with, with Butt as tight end and last tight year? End, yeah, exactly. Exactly. When he got time, he made plays. And, and that's all. That's all. That's all I'm saying. You called it. If you want to run that kind of offense, go back to what you did. Use your use your power set. What if if he wants to be the Bo Schembechler offense from back then? They use tight ends. It's what they pass to. I can't tell you how many times I watch you know old Michigan footage and you just see the the one pass the game from Brian Greasy, Tom Brady, whoever the hell it was at the time, throwing that huge pass over the middle to the tight end to get downfield. How many times did General Corn find a tight end downfield in this game to be able to get them yards? Right. That's what they do. That's what that's what this offense does best under Harbaugh. It was definitely something that they needed to do. They finally used it um, in the red zone a couple times, and it, it got them. It got them down the field. Um, so, nevertheless, I think just doing that and going back to what worked last year was something that they needed to do. And I think the Harbaugh thought the same thing. And you also got to give it up to the defense as well. Another great game uh, by Don Brown's defense. Chase Winovich had a Absolutely. huge game: three sacks, four tackles for a loss. It really doesn't get get much better than that. Uh, Devin Bush, six tackles and a sack. 
it was just a really good game for the defense all in all. And as much as the offense kind of started to, to turn it up there after the first quarter, you can't forget about that defense. They were solid all game long. 100%. They, if they don't have the defense, they don't win this game. And I think you could say that, you know, for almost, Any game. almost every game, which is kind of, which is sad, but it's so true <laughs> at the same time. It, Michigan's defense will hold them in games all season. This defense, I'm confident to say it now after this week, right now they're better than they were a year ago. And it's not even just because Michigan had good athletes last year, but they weren't as fast. They weren't able to keep up, especially the linebacking core, weren't able to keep up with those, the same exact speed that they have now with you know, Ben Giadon and people like that. They just weren't as fast. Now you got people. Like, you know, obviously, um, like Chase Winovich is able to make these plays. You just talked about him making all those great hits and stuff in the backfield. He's able to get pressure on the quarterback. They run sideline to sideline better than I think they ever have. And that, and that's what's the, they're just able to shut teams down in that way. And it does kind of, like, surprise you, especially they've done it a couple times this year now. After Michigan does score their first touchdown of the game, they let Purdue come back out and drive right down back to the field. Now. I don't know what's up with that. It's happened a couple times now. They need to get better at stopping that. But if there's one thing I could say they could even get better at, that's it. I don't know what else to say. They're, they're absolutely outstanding right now. I think the craziest stat until Purdue got the ball after uh, when Michigan started putting their reserves, Michigan had over 250 yards on offense. Purdue had one yard in the second half. One yard. That's insane. I, I, I don't even know. I That blew my mind when I saw it. Nick Baumgartner was the one that tweeted it. I couldn't believe it. I was just in my head. I was just in shock. Elena, what can you say about this defense? It's amazing, and there's not much, like you said, there's not much room for improvement, and I think they're going to hold them in every game this year they play. So we're lucky we have that while we're trying to get our offense on. Until yeah. they say, do something otherwise, I just I just don't really see it. Um, in a bye week, uh, going in, what, what do you guys think moving forward? Got to get an opinion on it. Wilton Spade, John O'Corn, who's going to be the guy, even if Wilton Spade is healthy for the Michigan State game in a couple of weeks? That's so hard. That's so difficult because, <laughs> you know, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with my gut, honestly, John O'Corn. I'm going to go with it. Um, he's been the only quarterback to to produce this season, and that's what I'm going to say straight up. He's been on the only quarterback on this Michigan team to produce, and, and you got to go with somebody who's going to produce. And and John O'Corn, in my opinion, he he played one, he, he really got to play one mm-hmm. game, and he produced in that game, and Wilton Spate had his opportunities, and he just didn't produce the way that, you know, Michigan probably expects him to. So I think you got to go corn and just stick with him and ride with him until until he screws up or does something uh something stupid. Mm-hmm. I hope I hope they go with O'Corn, but I really I mean, it's a big game to throw him in uh right at the starter, but I mean, I I think that they're going to start with Spate still. I think they're going to start with Spate. I don't think they're going to give him much of a chance. Uh and then they're going to throw this, in O'Corn if he can't perform. Well, this this is going to be a night game too. 7:30 kickoff. It is. You know, in the big house. It's one of the biggest. It, it's, I mean, obviously, you know, Mr. Harbaugh would like it to start at noon or one, as he says. That is more of his football sense. It's, <laughs> it's something I don't understand. But um, nevertheless, the Fox Sports just decides when they want to start now with a new contract. The Big Ten has no say in that. So it's just going to be up to the I'm cool with it, times. though. I'm cool with it. 100%. I am. I, like I, that, I, th- yes. I think that it's good. I think it's good for the fans. I think it's good for the whole atmosphere of football as a whole. Going back to um, O'Corn and Spate, I do believe that um, John O'Corn is going to start this game. If he doesn't do good the first couple possessions, I would not be surprised to see Spate come back in. That's where we're at this year. That's where Michigan's at. Um, they're they're stuck in a, in a quarterback toss right now. But overall, I, I was very wrong. Um, I was very, very wrong with the guy's pocket presence. And he didn't show it until his game. He came out of nowhere and showed it. But some of the plays he's able to make, I, I think the most ridiculous one was when he you know kind of dodged that guy, over like threw him over his back, and then wheeled back out of it and threw like a 30-yard pass downfield. That's the pocket presence that I didn't know that he had. This is just a different Michigan offense this year with Tim Dravenel. They and not not that I've been happy with it so far. Wilton Spate's 
not as as tight of a passer. He throw he he's kind of more of a lob. He's a deep guy. His passes aren't as crisp. What John O'Corn was able to do in that game, they were very very crisp passes, quick. Michigan's routes are all quick with all these young guys. They're trying to get them, you know, immune to this new offense. That's what was going on all game. That's that's where Michigan was at, and John O'Corn was able to execute those plays. It's not really plays that I think that Wilton Spade can execute right now. I think that I think I think that his his pocket, like he's able to be mobile, but when he is, he just doesn't throw it as hard. He doesn't make as clean of passes as what John O'Corn's been able to do. And I think that's why they got to go with him against Michigan State right now. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something to look at. And then, yeah, he say let's say O'Corn does start against Michigan State, and then they go on the road against Indiana State. He starts again, and then he goes to play Penn State on the road. <laughs> That's not gonna be easy for like, whatever quarterback it is. It doesn't really matter how. I mean, you look at I mean, it. do you think, do you think he he'd be able to be more successful than than Spate in that high pressure situation? Not not that the Michigan State game, you know, won't be a high pressure situation, but um, Penn That's, State is definitely a, a better team in my opinion than Michigan State. I think mm-hmm. in a lot of people's opinions too. Do you think, think just the best team in the Big Ten Conference? I, I, I would agree. Do you now? Do you think that who do you think would produce better in that situation as far as both of you guys? You know, what do you guys it's, think? It's tough for me to say that, like right off the bat right now, but what I will say, you know, what you said about Michigan State being a pressure game, I think that he's went on the road now and he's beat Purdue. Obviously, Purdue isn't the hostile environment, but they were a fired-up team. That was a that was a homecoming fan base. That was a team that was ready to beat Michigan into the ground. They wanted nothing more than to beat Michigan that game. And John O'Corn was really the guy that stood in the way of it because their defense was, like, you know, holding them in check until he started to score touchdowns. Like, nevertheless, if John O'Corn doesn't score touchdowns, Michigan loses the game 10-7. to I mean, they did have a lead. So mm-hmm. he, he still had to do something. He's playing the road. If he can come out and play good against Michigan State, and that and that's a rivalry game at night. I mean, I think you got to roll with him. I don't. I don't think you can. I don't think you can switch him out. There's going to be a lot that changes in between that time. If he has bad games, if he throws interceptions, Wilton Spade's going to get his chance again. I wouldn't be shocked at all if, like what Elena said, he, if he does still start Wilton Spade because Jim Harbaugh has been so Wilton Spade's my guy. Wilton Spade's my guy. He's a great quarterback. Wouldn't be surprised if it goes that way, but we'll see what happens. I think it needs to be John O'Corn right now. Yeah, obviously uh, O'Corn has the confidence right now that Spay's lacking, but maybe uh, if he start if uh, O'Corn starts this and he does he does great, then he's gonna it's gonna build. He's well, gonna have I, even more confidence. I, going I, I really ho- I really hope one quarterback does stand out though, because I would really hate for if O'Corn would struggle a little bit. But just like you know, you not struggle too much, and then mm-hmm. you know, Spate comes in and, and tries to do something. He struggles a little bit, but but not too much, and there's just that clash. Just I, I really hope I, I really hope one quarterback just kind of stands out. That that'd be really nice. Um, Even if it's every game like that, it's like <laughs> right? which one of these gonna produce right. for us today? Michigan does have to do that. Nevertheless, hopefully they can find one one player for their sake to be able to stick out a quarterback. It's never fun to have a quarterback battle when they're not like both super talented. It's more or less like who's just the better guy at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, and speaking of uh, a quarterback that well really didn't play that well, uh, it's it's it would be at Michigan State and Michigan State's team as a whole. Um, we'll obviously preview that Michigan Michigan State game next week. We'll give you guys everything you need to know for that. But for right now, Michigan's on a bye week. We'll move into Michigan State, and they didn't have the game that they wanted to have. Um, as a as a team, I think that Michigan State was ready for this game. I think that the whole fan base really wanted to see this be big. I, heck, I knew a lot of people from here that went to Michigan State that weekend just mm-hmm. because they knew all the excitement that would be around it. Um, Notre Dame ends up beating them into the ground, thirty-eight to eighteen. Uh, really, nevertheless, there's really no nice way to say it. They had chances. Um, I remember in the game they were down fourteen to seven, and uh, their their running back L.J. Scott, he was running across the goal line, and he ended up getting the ball stripped from him right there. I think that's when the game just completely turned Notre Dame's favor. They end up getting a touchback instead of the touchdown right there. Definitely should have been a touchdown, but he wasn't able to get that ball across the plane before he got in. That's the difference between a fourteen fourteen game and a twenty-one to seven game. 
And from there, Notre Dame really never had to look back. They kind of blew him out and played like today's goal. That's where I think Brian Lewerke's stat line is a little bit, uh, you know, given anyways. He, he kind of got lucky, got some garbage time numbers. Um, he ended up going 31 for 51, 51 passes. I think that says everything about the game. Um, 340 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Those numbers don't sound terrible, but like I said, they were down a majority of the game. I think Notre Dame kind of started kicking back and just kept trying to kind of let the clock run out. Um, that that Wimbush for Notre Dame, that guy can play football, man. I I I'm I for Michigan playing uh, Notre Dame the next few years, um, that's gonna be a, a good game again. I think with him at quarterback for sure. If he does stick around and end up playing that long, um, they end up they didn't really have to run the ball that much. It half of it just came from Wimbush himself. Notre Dame just kind of controlled the game all the way throughout. Michigan State didn't look like they were quite there. Where do you guys think Michigan State's at right now, Elaine? I'll start with you. Well, the turnovers really killed them. They had three turnovers, and there's uh, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Something in the penalties, like they just killed them, and I don't know what they they need to do everything better. I, I will say that I did say that. I said it last week when we were talking about. It. I said if there's one thing, I said there's only a couple against Western Michigan, but there's one thing that Michigan State needs to get away from is turning the ball over. They can't do that in a game like this. They did. You know, three, like you said. I think that's a perfect example. And and the problem is, though, that, that all three turnovers, they either directly led to it or eventually led to a touchdown for Notre yeah. Dame. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's to me, the biggest problem here uh, with Michigan State. I mean, if you're going to turn the ball over, uh, you know, granted it's football, you're going to turn the ball over at times. But when that does happen, you're going to you got to get stops. That, that That's the thing. I mean, you know mm-hmm. teams are going to make mistakes. Nobody's perfect, um, especially not in the game of football. But when that does happen... You got to get stops, and exactly. that's just important to do. Well, and it has to didn't. happen, and like you said, this is the craziest thing about this game: is Michigan State's time of possession was almost ten minutes more than Notre Dame's, and they also had four hundred ninety-six total yards of offense compared to Notre Dame's three hundred fifty-five. How do things like that happen with a score like this? Turnovers. That's the only reason that, that kind of thing happens because you're closer to your own end zone, it makes it easier for Notre Dame to score. They really didn't have to do much. I mean, when they're up twenty-eight-seven in this game, in my mind, I, I knew there was no way that you know Michigan State was going to be able to come back. It's just, it's too much for a team like that. If you're a team that struggled a year ago and, you know, just doesn't really have that much talent, I don't think yet. I don't think that Michigan State's at where they want to be talent-wise. You can't have turnovers. You simply have to play clean games to be able to win games. Um, they're going up against Iowa this week, and obviously Iowa's a team that got shocked. Uh, they they thought that they had the game, and all of a sudden, you know, Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley did their thing, and they went down the field, and they ended up scoring that game-winning touchdown. That, that might be the game of the year in the big time by the end of it all. Got to give Penn State a lot of credit for that win. That that absolutely made them the number one team for me in my head right now in the conference. Can't really argue with that. I know Iowa's not a ranked team, but playing at that place at night, you can ask any Michigan fan, they'll tell you right away that it's not an easy thing to do. Um, what what does Michigan State have to do to be able to win this game against Iowa next week? Uh, you know, they got to stop Nate Stanley, uh, quarterback for Iowa throughout this season. His stats, 64 for 105 uh, through the air, 846 yards. 12 touchdowns and one interception. Um, that that's that's pretty darn good. Um, almost really really as good as it gets at, at the college level. He can throw the ball pretty much anywhere. Um, they got a running back who also can catch out of the backfield and, and and go for yards as well. There's just a lot of different weapons that that Iowa has that Michigan State's really gonna have to look for. Um, it, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough game for Michigan State. I, I don't see them coming out on top. I just think Stanley and, and the whole you know, Hawkeye offense is just too much to handle. For sure. I agree. I think I think Iowa's going to come out on top. Uh, if the Spartans want any chance in this game, they're going to need to definitely lim- limit the turnovers and force some. So I think Michigan State has a chance. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily. I, I don't think they will win. I think they will lose in a, a closer game. 
um, just because I, I haven't really been able to see them beat a big team, and I was I think a, a team that's played better recently than them. But when you can be Iowa and stop Penn State's offense like they did in that game until the last drive, obviously they kind of choked there, but until then they really held them in check and gave their offense a chance to game. When I saw the scores like five to seven at halftime, I was like, that sounds like a night game at Kinnick <laughs> Stadium, like a hundred percent. That that just sounded like it all together with me. When they can play like that and use that. Um, use their defense their advantage and be able to be that strong against a good offense like that, Michigan State's really going to struggle in this game to get the ball moving. I don't think they have enough offense to be able to top Iowa. Um, I think it does stay close, but I think Iowa wins by probably a touchdown. Um, so to wrap up our show, we'll do our stud and dud per usual. Um, Elena, I'll start with you. What is your stud player this week or team? Um, my stud is Aaron Judge. He hit his 50th home run, breaking McGuire's uh, rookie record, so... That's good. Guy's an absolute tank. He's crazy. I mean, really, what, 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 like, Bronx Bombers, the guy I think fits everything about that description. The guy's been absolutely outstanding, a lot of fun to watch this summer. Obviously, you know, his whole thing in the home run derby, everything he did I think was great for the MLB. He's another mm-hmm. type of player that MLB needs to keep people interested in the sport. I love it. For I'm sure. in support of it. I, you know, as long as guy's not doing roids or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out about that but <laughs> so later bad. on. But for now, great, absolutely. Evan? Yeah, my stud is uh, Saquon Barkley from Penn State, running back. We just talked about him. Um, yeah, he broke yeah. Penn State's all-time single-game, all-purpose yard uh, record with 358 yards. That's ridiculous, man. He moved up five spots on Penn State's career all-purpose yards uh, list to number six, and he is currently tied for fifth um, on the the touchdowns leader uh, record with 19. With excuse me, 29. So. Really just like a do-it-all kind of guy. Um, moved up the records and broke some records um, this past week. He, he's my stud. He's a Heisman runner, man. He's, he's someone that could easily get that award. I think that he's there. I don't even think it's too much to say that at this point. He's a great player. Um, my stud uh, for the week is a guy that I've given a lot of hate on this show. Uh, I really don't like him that much as a GM of the Tigers, but Al Avila for finally deciding to not bring Brad Osmus back. Um, I think it comes four <laughs> seasons too late, but nevertheless, at the end of the day, this guy was getting them nowhere. Um, I give Brad a lot of credit for, you know, sticking out with the team for the end of the season and understanding that the team is going in a different direction. He wasn't right for Detroit. I don't think he's a bad guy personally. I hope that he can move on and find somewhere else to coach. I don't think a head co- or a, a manager role would be good for him at all in the future anywhere personally, but um, we'll see what he can do in the future. But not bringing him back to Detroit, I think that that was the right decision by Alavila. I think he's finally starting to make the right moves with selling that team off and starting to get a rebuild back and then not bringing the coach back that kind of dug him into the hole. Um, Duds, I'll, I'll go the other way. Evan. Yeah, my dud uh, for this week is Baltimore Ravens. They lost to, to Jacksonville 44-7. to Yeah, like that. that is Jacksonville, oh like the Jaguars. I can't even believe it. Um, that's unreal. Joe Flacco, 8 for 18, 28 yards, <laughs> no touchdowns, one interception. You can stop hurting my heart. Man. I started him in fantasy this week, and I'd feel really bad. About Ryan Mount threw the only touchdown. Um, yeah, it was just a really bad, bad, bad game for the Ravens. So that's why I got him as my dud against the Jaguars. Come on, like, I, I don't even blame myself for playing him. I thought he would at least get a couple touchdowns and you know, like score at least like fifteen points on a fantasy platform. Like anybody else, like okay, but. The Jaguars, like, really? Yeah, like, Joe Flacco's <laughs> a bad quarterback. He does good most of the time. I don't understand. I, I remember looking at, like, I woke up because it was the 930 game, and I looked at my fantasy thing, and it's I see the second quarter, and my quarterback still has zero points. I, actually, negative. He was at negative two because he threw an interception. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, like, what is going on, like, right now? Like, I, I must be watching the wrong game. But, Elena? 
Uh, my dad's going to be the Tigers. They're dead last in the ESPN power rankings, and it's just, <laughs> it's really just sad. It's, it kind of hurts to watch them, honestly. It's painful. As I, as I did give LFU on my stud, I agree the 100% past four years have just been an absolute downslope. Obviously, yeah. last year they did go up technically a little bit by finishing second in the division. They're a game away yeah. from making the playoffs, but this year I expect them to come out and be a team that can make a wild card. And yeah. Nope. I, it, it bugs me. You know, I, I see all these, you know, pictures from the start of the season, the team they had. There's yeah. no reason a team like that should never been in the playoffs. So something else was wrong there compared to just the players. So yeah. I 100% agree with that. It's a great dud. Um, my dud is Purdue Athletics. Um, get your stuff straight, really. And I and I agree 100% with what Jim Harbaugh is saying about these big things. Like, usually he goes on rants, and I'm kind of like, okay, like, dude, give your give your media guide out properly and stuff like that, especially being a guy in the media, I would want that. But this situation, he's 100% right. Like, when someone has to go off of – you know, your your actual field and go to a student-run hospital to get an x-ray, like, three blocks mm-hmm. down, that's insane to me. That's that's giving your team an advantage on the field as Purdue. And then when um, they start the game, they don't even have air conditioning. They have to open the doors to be able to get ventilation in. Harbaugh said, you know, people get walking by, watch them change. That's ridiculous. Like, upgrade your system. You know, it's in the 1920s anymore. Like, just make it better as a whole. Um, I, I think that it was absolutely ridiculous. I don't know if you heard what, what Tim Brando said from, from Fox Sports. He said... I'll begin supporting Harbaugh's rant on locker room issues at Purdue as soon as he gives those broadcasting his games a depth chart. You see what Harbaugh said back? No, I did not see. He he, back he said he said he said get a depth chart and you will support player safety. <laughs> Difficult to understand your pundit rationale, but very re- very but very revealing. And, and I'm just like, he came back with some fire. Yeah, you know, I, I love every, I, every I love this guy. I love tweets. I love him so much. I, I like Harbaugh so much. <laughs> you don't want to get roasted by Jim Harbaugh. No, you don't. It's not, no, a you bad, don't. it's not a good idea. Like honestly, the guy will just make you look stupid in a Twitter fight because like, his honestly, comments are so like weird. It, it just it just kind of it just kind of makes it. <laughs> it's almost hard to read, and you kind of just feel stupid when he when he kind of he makes you goes feel back. stupid. He does. Yeah, he makes you feel stupid when when he, when he goes back <laughs> at people like this. You're like, oh wait, what did he just say? Let me let me go on dictionary.com and look up what these words mean, and then you figure it out, and you're like, oh shoot. You know, he got I, me. I 100% think he's in the right, too. I, I saw a tweet from Aaron McMahon today um, that said he got a text this morning from someone around the MAC conference saying that they went to the Michigan and Michigan State locker rooms. That's two of the nicest facilities they've ever been in. So he's in the right to be able to say something that when his facilities are like that, they should be able to be better. Jeff Brom said today something about how, well, the uh, something about how things can maybe be upgraded. We don't expect our place to be like the, the Marriott, you know, speaking in a hotel against like that night. Dude, it doesn't have to be that nice. It just has to be better than what it is. There has to be more there. So It can't be crap. Exactly. You can't just have it be absolutely bad. You need to treat your visitors just as good as you would treat your home team. Obviously, I don't know what the home team locker room looks like, but everything that I've heard from people that I, you know, write with over at Maze and Brew 2 that were there, they said that it was absolutely just horrible and bad to be around. So um, that'll wrap it up for us this week on uh, in Sportsman Conduct. We'll be back next week. We'll obviously uh, preview you know, the Michigan State game. We'll get back into some more Lions talk and whatever other issues happen in sports because it's been pretty crazy right now. We'll get into that. So for Elena and Evan, I'm Andy, and you're listening to Unsportsmanlike Conduct on CMA. Yeah.